0: this episode and so Japan is one of the things they're famous for is the the bullet train Shinkansen sorry as the designs improved they increased the speeds to 275 32 trains an hour and so if you're standing on the side of the track one of these things is gonna go past you every two minutes Is that right? Oh my yeah God. the pressure wave built up and it came out the the far end of the tunnel as a sonic boom and every so two. and every two minutes every two minutes in, uh, diversity is being asked to the party. Inclusion is feeling like you're welcome.
1: Welcome to Anecdotally Speaking, a podcast to help you build your business story repertoire. Hi, everybody. I'm Sean Callahan, And hi, everybody. I'm Mark Shank. Mark, I believe you have a story.
0: Oh, what I have do. you got? This is, this is one that people might think about putting into their story bank, along with all the others, of course. But I'm... We can get good ideas from anywhere, and yeah. uh, this is uh, this uh, example of getting ideas from anywhere comes from Japan. And so, Japan is one of the things they're famous for is the the bullet train. Mm. Um, I'm gonna I'm going to make a I'm going to make a hash of trying to pronounce this, but shinkansen. Yeah, right. Some the, been the on the shinkansen. Train. Yeah, it's great. Yep. Yeah. Um, and you know, network of high speed railways. Um, and it's really. Made a big difference in Japan, you know, economic growth and development, and and it uh, it all started in 1964 with one line and expanded, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Now the trains back then could go about so back this is back in the 60s they could go about yeah. 220 kilometers an hour, right? And as they got better, sorry, as the designs improved, they increased the speeds to 275 uh, kilometers an hour,
1: right? Yeah,
0: fast. Yep. Fast. And that's not maximum operating. You know, that's that's kind of the normal operating speed. They yeah. can actually, you know, like a, on the right section of track in a straight line, they can go faster. But anyway, it's fast. And like on their one of their main lines, they have 16 of these trains per hour in each direction. So that's 32 trains an hour. And so if you're standing on the side of the track, one of these things is going to go past you every two minutes. Is that right? Oh, my yeah. God. That's like, amazing. That's on one of their main lines. Yeah. But this actually there was a big problem. And the big problem was that there was a design challenge. When the trains entered a tunnel, it formed a pressure wave, which uh, slowed the train down and required more energy, which is a bit of a problem. But the the main problem was that it the 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 pressure wave built up, and it came out the the far end of the tunnel as a sonic boom. <laughs> uh, a yeah huge... that's a,
1: that's a small problem
0: yeah and and especially when the environmental regulations meant that the trains had to operate at 70 decibels or less right so but apparently like if you're 400 meters away this sonic boom was still big and every so, two and every two minutes every two <laughs> minutes <laughs> <laughs> right so you know it was bad the passengers like it was scary for the passengers the yep. um the uh residents in nearby areas that was no fun and of course you know wildlife etc so yeah and engineers have been working for years to figure this out uh how do we how do we improve this without fact uh, sacrificing speed or using more energy yeah in 1989 a guy called Eiji Nakatsu who was a, a, a an engineer was tasked with speeding the trains up even further particularly to reduce the transit time in the western west of Japan and but they already had a problem with this sonic boom thing, and he's thinking we have to solve this. And uh, Nakatsu was also an avid bird watcher, and he'd watched kingfishers diving at high speed into water. Right, so they've gone they go from air into a much denser medium, water, yeah, yeah. with barely making a ripple. And he's and he thought maybe we can learn something from this. Uh-huh. And so they started studying the kingfisher's beak, which enters the water first. And what they discovered its design was incredibly complex. Like it, you know, from you know, to the casual observer, it looks fine. Yeah. But when you study it, it's really complex design. And so they designed a train nose that resembled the kingfish's beak and it and it resolved the problem. So is that right? Sonic boom, <laughs> but it also allowed the trains to travel faster. So they're now up to 320 kilometers an hour. They use fifteen percent less electricity, less energy. Yes. Um, and and this this nose, I mean the nose of the trains, the uh, the bullet trains, that looks really weird these days. Yeah. It's like the old one was was six meters long. These new uh-huh. noses are fifteen meters long. So it's anyway, it's a huge a huge difference. But that inspired by that uh, that insight from nature, he actually solved a problem that was thirty years old. That's amazing, oh my God
1: and you know that sort of biomimicry is is a big area now, isn't it like mm. oh, and all sorts of yep. things to try to to come up with new ideas it's um, yeah,
0: San Diego Zoo's actually got a center for um uh, st- uh, biomimicry you know, really studying biomimicry is that right yeah wow yeah.
1: I mean, humans are very good at analogy, so um, it only makes sense that we would look to nature to get analogies mm. to try to solve problems. So, but that's yeah. that's amazing. I, I remember uh, travelling on the Shinkansen, but I was there before they'd solved the problem, so I was there in ninety one, and uh, but I do remember just how perfectly timed those trains were, um, and I, I remember Sheena and I and her mum Joan jumped on a train. And then we went to our seats and there were people sitting in our seats. But it turned out we'd jumped on the train the two minutes before that train.
0: So oh, like what? we would,
1: and they were in their seats and we were on the wrong train. And so we were wandering around going, what do we do? And we got into the first class cabin. There was all these Japanese businessmen with their feet up smoking and whatnot. And um, we told him what happened. And he said, one guy sort of said, Okay, at our next stop, the doors will open you need to take your bags and just run across the platform and an, the train on the other side, doors will open. Just jump on that and that will take you where you need to go. Like they knew that, <laughs> and he was right. We did this and we had our bags there, We went, you know, across the platform. And it was like this perfect timing of, you know, sort of doors opening. It does say a lot about Japanese engineering, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. So on, yeah.
1: What a great story. I love that story. It's um I don't know, just the fact that, you know, there's a problem there. And and, and again, a coincidence, right? You got this guy happened to be a bird watcher.
0: Right? Yep.
1: And that had the you know what you know, imagine if he was he watched something else. He wasn't a bird watcher. He'd be it would be a blank, you know, it's a wall he'd be running into.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, the Oh yeah, I mean that's quite fascinating. There's obviously a lot more detail behind this, but yeah. but he there was other problems with the train uh, in terms of noise and efficiency, and so um, the the device that connects the top of the train to the electricity, yeah, bar, mm-hmm. um, it was quite noisy as well. And he studied owls, and you know because owls fly silently, and he identified a, a you know a design feature of of our wings that he was able to incorporate into that, and and solve that problem as well. Oh, and he smokes! He's like the birdman of yeah, uh, of trains. Yeah, that's yep. fantastic. But, but he also <laughs> used the uh, the Adele penguin um, uh, from Antarctica. Is that the um, one that sings? <laughs> uh slides actually <laughs> slides out um, right. there yeah, okay uh, yeah they, they they were able to slide very fast along uh, smooth surfaces yeah and yeah. uh yeah. so he does he designed another part of the top of the train to resemble their belly so that yeah you know. anyway so yeah, this was it was on a roll that guy wasn't it yeah. and and but again these are all details you could add in but I chose not to, to add yeah. In. Yeah, yeah 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 and the actual the thing that triggered him, apparently was that uh he went to uh an, aer- aer- an aeronautical engineering uh presentation where yep. they talked about how the you know the aeronautical in- the aero industry had used uh designs from nature to improve efficiency etc and ah. that's when he kind of went hang on mm. cool. i've seen a few things out there nature yep. and fish-. yeah anyway so it's a combination of things but um yeah just uh, the one of the things I love about that story is that the problem was thirty years old, and yeah. no one had fixed, no one had solved it. And by by adopting an idea, or adapting an idea from nature, he, and and I think there's this—that's the structure
1: of this story, which makes it compelling. And that is, you've got a problem, you know, and and I tell you, when you're talking about the train coming out of that tunnel, um, creating a sonic boom. And it's happening every two minutes. I was just thinking, those poor residents, you know, Mm. anyone who's in the vicinity. Um, And so that's a a real problem you can feel, right? And then you come up with this quite innovative solution to it, you know, which is out of, you know, left field. So those two things together just kind of really ramp up the effectiveness of that story, I think. Um, So, yeah, no, it's, it's a cracker. And I can see... You know, anyone with an engineering bent, you know, really leaning in and probably inspired, would be inspired by that story, right? To yeah. try something new. So it's, um, yeah, it's really good. What do you like telling about it? What's your, what's your... Well, I, I'm,
0: I guess one of the things that I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts on were there was a part of it that, that I had to do a bit of work on right. to figure out because... When I when I heard this story, I was thinking, yeah, okay, you know, you know, the occasional sonic boom, you know, And but then as I read more, you know, you know, I was studying the frequency of the trains, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and um, how do I explain that? And so that's when I thought, if you're standing on the side of the train, you got sorry, on the side of the track, you're going to have one of these things going past you every two minutes. That, so that- was
1: that was a good um, image. Like I, that image really worked for me. Yeah, you know,
0: I was that's that's the thing that really got me feeling for the residents. Yeah, having that image of standing there. Yeah, and I guess that's you know kind of one of those things that we talk about with data storytelling is yeah. you need to bring it to life. Mm. Yeah, because you know, yeah. like you know, the, they they had all these information on frequency trains and yada yada, and it's like how do you translate that into something that a human being can understand? So it's yeah. that's what. So okay, that's good. I'm glad. That, that yeah, that works really well. Yeah. Um,
1: I I really you know, there's nothing in there that I'm thinking. Oh, gee, that would make a big difference in telling that story. I thought that was a really tight, well told story, and you know, there's nothing extra that you would need. It's it really hits the hits the mark. So let's get on to unless you think there was something you would you would uh,
0: change in your telling. No, uh, no, I spent about half an hour this morning thinking Put about that your, story and right. Um, I would heard it sometime before. It was on my list of stories to research for the podcast. Right. Um and uh but I, I it was one of those things, you know, I really enjoyed doing the uh, the uh looking into it. Where and, did you go to research it? What were some of the places? Oh, look, um so look for some of the uh some of the dates I went to Wikipedia. Yeah. Um so and uh then I uh there's a, a the BBC had a a podcast. On it, mm-hmm. and so I listened to that podcast. There was another short video from uh, Nature magazine, and a, a, a range of different resources. You know, the, the, I just typed uh, "shinkansen kingfisher" right. into Google, and it and just gave I me went. all the resources I need. But I do find that Wikipedia is good for the data, for some of the data.
1: Yeah, right.
0: Like, so, yeah, you know, like I was particularly interested. Okay, when did this thing start? Okay, and yeah. then I wanted to know. When When did uh, Nakatsu start looking at this? It was 1990? Yes. Because one of the things about the stories of course, they're events and they have to have dates. So yeah, yeah it helps. Um, it helps. So yeah. And I went, yeah, a whole bunch of different uh, different sources.
1: Yeah, that's good. that helps, that helps. Uh, business points. I think um, the obvious one for me is just you know look outside your your you know realm, Mm. or hints as to how to solve problems you know we are great at solving problems through analogy but what that means is you've got to go out and experience things right And i think this is just for storytelling generally you know you can learn storytelling but if you don't have any content you know right. it's for naught right so it's putting yourself in situations where you might you know see something different or read something that's outside your world and that should be things you'd be looking for,
0: right? Yeah. So the so the big one that's coming to me from, from listening to you speak and is diversity. Right. So diversity of diversity, ideas. Well, that's diversity, diversity, dot, dot, dot. Diversity of ideas, right? Diversity of people with different viewpoints. Oh, uh, diversity of perspectives, diversity of interest. Yeah. Yeah. And so um you you can uh great ideas don't come from the same thinking no no that's right. So, right, exactly so having diverse you know diverse inputs helps you solve problems yeah yeah so diversity uh it's a it's a, a yeah anyway I, I think that's a big one
1: you know and and I think it really helps to be on the lookout for anything like I'm I'm now like my ears are peeled for anything that's um, a little bit different. So to give you an example, I was listening to a podcast, uh, Adam Hills, comedian here in Australia, um, also in the UK, uh, was being interviewed by uh, um, Will Anderson. So he's got a podcast, Philosophy, really good podcast. Anyway, Adams has just bought a restaurant in London, right? Obviously things are going well for Mr. Adams. Um, yeah. But he was talking about this book called Unreasonable Hospitality, it's kind of like the story of the world's best restaurant at the moment which i think is in new york and but you know you hear that and i think okay there's that's another industry it's not an industry i know that much about uh but everyone goes to rest well many people go to restaurants so um it will be it will make sense to people to hear stories about restaurants right yes so i've wrote that book down i'm going to get it and you know i'm sure that there's there's going to be some cracking stories in there, so that's the thing, isn't it? It's sort of like get getting your head into the restaurant world, or getting your head into you know, Formula One racing, or whatever it might be. You know, it's like whatever's your interest. Mm. Like in this case, bird watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was not like he planned it. No, no, no. It just he. It's it's like how do you create the opportunity for serendipity? Right. Yeah. You have to. Put yourself into a variety of, of as you say, diverse environments, etc. You're not going to get new ideas by doing exactly the same thing every day.
0: Okay, that now that brings me to another potential business point, which is around listening. So it's okay to have uh, uh, diversity of thinking, but yep. you actually need to be able to hear it. Yeah, right. So how do you create like an inclusive environment? where people can hear the, the idea. Yeah. Right? So, so, yeah, that's so, that's so interesting. Yeah. I was, so, I was talking yeah, to, uh, to, uh, Hannah Davies, uh, one of our partners, and uh, she's based in Toulouse, uh, talking to her last night. And, uh, so, um, she and Maria Marenko have been doing quite a bit of work on, uh, on storytelling for inclusion. And she had a lovely little metaphor, um, the, the, the inclusion is, uh, it's like, so diversity is being asked to the party. Inclusion is being asked to dance. Yeah, right, right. Now, I, I, I kind of like that, but I've got a variation that, that i said. Inc- uh, diversity is being asked to the party. Inclusion is feeling like you're welcome. Right, right. As you walk in the door yeah you yeah. know mm-hmm. yeah, people talking to you and etc cetera, etc cetera. exactly so this you can have all the diversity you yeah. like mm-hmm. but if they're just standing there feeling like they've got no voice yeah, yeah it's pointless so you know put those th- two things together listening and diversity
1: um last night I was chatting with uh, Stuart French I gave a talk at the uh, knowledge the knowledge man oh he's doing well um so it was um, I gave a talk at the knowledge management leadership Forum last night. And he was saying that his uh, 19-year-old daughter came to him and sort of said, Dad, you know, all this stuff that's going on in Israel and Palestine, how do I get my head around what's going on there? And Stuart, being the uh, very adept knowledge manager that he is, and he's actually a bit of a specialist in search engines, right, he sort of said, um, do a search for... uh, the left and right spectrum of news agencies, graphic. Anyway, she found this graphic and it shows, you know, from the very left uh, news uh, feeds all the way to the very right. And he said, pick two from the left, two from the middle, and two from the right, and watch those. He said, see what you can find that's actually similar across them. Don't believe anything outright. And just, you know, sort of try to assimilate and see what patterns you can pick up. Anyway, she came back to him about uh, a week or two later and she said, oh, my God, that's been amazing. You know, like I've, I've really got a, a good understanding, you know, of what's happening over there just through this broader perspective. And so that's wow. that's
0: diversity and listening, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. It's also, you know, he's he's helping he's helping teach her how to think.
1: Yeah it's critical thinking isn't it yeah. it's it's helping. yeah it's such an important um skill it's a skill great that, skill yeah. Yeah. and that's
0: yeah. a really that's a really good idea if you want to get some insight into an issue yeah. is to is to is to is to look across the See, uh, the perspectives
1: that's that's a ninja dad move i would say <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, All right, well, I, I think let's, we should uh, move let's it, give it on a, to the scoring.
1: Yeah, let's give it a score. Um, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna give this one a strong strong eight out of ten. It's a it's a great story. I love it. It's Visual. It's problem solving. It's you know I, I, we do a lot of work with engineers, so it's a, I can see me telling this story in quick succession if you like. So uh, eight out of ten. What are you going to give it? I'm giving an eight out of ten as well. Beautiful. Beautiful. Now, before we wrap up, I did want to just say to people, if you've got this far, well done. We're all done. <laughs> and, and, but what I want to say is that we have a new newsletter and uh, we put the first one out uh, it, this month, next one obviously in November. Um, but if you're interested in sort of getting, um, we're sort of really focusing it now just as a sort of a message from Mark in one month and myself in the next month, Um of sort of what's going on, you know, what are we seeing, what are some, you know, good story examples, those types of things, jump onto the newsletter and and it will um, give you just another bit of insight on how to get the most out of business storytelling. Ooh. So I think that's it. So I'm going to sign is, up. Sign up, Mark. Yeah, sign <laughs> up. Thanks again for listening to Anecdotally Speaking and tune in next week for another episode of How to Put Your Stories to Work. <laughs> Hi everyone, I'm Sean Callahan.
0: Hey. <laughs> Sorry, I was I was deep in trying to pronounce Shinkasen. Shinkasen. <laughs> How do you pronounce it? Shinkasen. Yeah, it's just
1: there's no emphasis in Japan, Japanese, right? It just Shinkasen. Yeah, Shinkasen. Yeah. All right. Gotta, Sorry, uh, we have to restart. <laughs> bye for now.